Never trust a man with two first names, especially if one of them's a woman's. Joel Hodgson, Mystery Science Theater 3000. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses. Today we are talking about naming your characters and how that influences how your readers see those characters. There are pre-installed prejudices in everyone's minds about certain characters based on their names alone. Therefore, you as an author can't just name the dumb blonde cheerleader Elizabeth because Elizabeth carries a royal weight to it that wouldn't apply to this particular character. Now, if you called that character Lizzie, it would probably work. Even though Lizzie is derived from Elizabeth, it has a different connotation to it. In today's world, there are certain names that come with certain ideas. There's also simply sounds that come with different impressions and ideas of what that means. This is a tool in your author's toolbox to help your readers quickly identify and come to a conclusion about the personality of a character. Lizzie sounds like ditzy. We can buy that that's the dumb blonde cheerleader. If you've watched Daredevil, you know that the female lead in that show is named Karen. And it's Karen because that's comics, it goes back a while. But in today's world, if you have a character named Karen, there is a big weight that comes with meme culture and what that means for that name. Same thing with names like Chad and Kyle. These are names that bring a particular image to mind. If that's the image you want to convey to your readers, please go ahead, use these names because that'll help them identify and sort your characters that much quicker. Next episode, we'll be talking a little more about how to do that using cliches and stereotypes. But for today's episode, we're going to talk about names. We're going to go through a list of names. One of us will say the name, the other will say the first thing that comes to mind about the character who is named that. So if I have a character named Barb, what is she like? I picture somebody who is older, probably has glasses. Actually, I picture Stranger Things, the Barb in Stranger Things. I know she's not old in that show, but like it's a very 70s name. So she's a secretary. Yeah. Yeah. Big old glasses. When I say the name Madison, what do you think? She's a teenager. She's definitely of a younger generation, probably still in school, kind of holds her own, does her own thing her own way, but definitely still fairly young. What about Alistair? I think of dark arts. What is it? Alistair Crowley? No. Alistair Crowley was actually a character in history. Yes, that's who I'm thinking is the Crowley kind of founded a lot of the Satanism, dark arts sort of movements way back in the day. Organized a lot of them. Yeah. What about Tyrone? He's a middle-aged businessman, and he he's short-cropped hair, probably darker-skinned. What about Sam? Samwise Gamgee. I think of the buddy, the sidekick the helpful co-character. 
the warm-hearted victim of the main character. <laughs> yes, yes. We also had that in not only Lord of the Rings, but we had it in Supernatural again and Game of Thrones. Everyone needs a Sam. What about Raven with a Y? She is a young adult chosen one in a YA book series that is three books too long. Probably a little bit pale, long, dark hair, kind of on the goth side, but super nice anyway. Doesn't really think she's pretty. She's fairly plain, but all of the guys are just drooling over her anyway. (laughs) So obviously we were assigning a lot of cliches to these names. But those are the kinds of things. When we said those names, what came to mind? Did yours match ours? Were they similar to ours? If they were, that means that there are probably a lot more people out there who have the same mental image attached to these kinds of names. I will also say, like we mentioned Barb earlier, names are very key in denoting which era you're in. If you're writing something in the Victorian era, and your main character's name is Madison, it's not going to be as believable, unless it's a dude. It's so weird to me because the name Tiffany is Elizabethan in era. It's from the 1500s. But we as readers don't believe it goes pre-Spice Girls. Yes, Tiffany is a very 90s name. And it's so weird to think that it existed in the 1500s, but if you write something in the Shakespearean era and name a character Tiffany, nobody's going to believe you. But that goes to the reader psychology. Character names are instant ways for us to categorize the character, to put them in a stereotype, to put them in an era where they belong. If you aren't sure, you can just Google a list of top 50 female names born in the year, blah, blah, blah. And they will give you a good idea of the flavor of that era. These are influenced by a lot of things, including pop culture and royalty. But just a quick little bit of research can really change the mood and the setting of the world that you're creating. Not all of you, though, will be using names that are common in the world. You're not going to be going to babynames.com and finding names that already exist. You're going to be creating names because you're writing a fantasy or a sci-fi with different races or species, and they're going to have different rules for how they create names. You can take some influence from different cultures, but it's good to still know and understand the implications that certain sounds, certain combinations of letters will evoke within your readers. I've found a lot of this is especially true of the ending of the name. So if the character's name ends in an I-L or a D-I-R or E-T-H, ill, der, and ith. Not der, dear. Yes, dear. (laughs) Those tend to be more elfin in nature. If you have a name that ends with I-E-L or I-A-L, it has a more angelic celestial leaning. This does also kind of lean towards the elven, if that is more your world rather than the angels, demons kind of thing. But it has that same feeling to it. So if you look at the Bible, Gabriel, in Supernatural, you've got Castiel, all those kinds of names that end with that I-E-L. Even in Tolkien, you had Galadriel, who was one of the most celestial type of elves they had. 
If it ends in an A-D or a G-R-E-N, those tend to be human in fantasy realms. They also have a last name, which is a combination of two common words in the era. Like Swift Shadow. I also feel like that tends to be a little hobbit-ish. You know, the proud feet, just depending on the combination of what words you're putting together. Definitely more social. Yeah. If you have a name that ends with an R-A-L or D-U-N, that tends to be more of your dwarven. Dwarven names also tend to be a lot more consonant-based than elven names, which tend to be vowel-based. I also wanted to throw in, if you have that apostrophe in there, I'm blaming Star Trek for this. If you have an apostrophe in the character's name, then it's probably going to be alien in nature. The apostrophe is pronounced with a throat stop. So you have the twi'leks, which have a little bit of that throat stop instead of being twi'lek, where it's all one combined word. As I kind of briefly mentioned, the types of letters also denote some culture. So those softer sounds, like the L's and the T-H-S-H, those types of sounds in the name will tend to be more of the cerebral and celestial type characters. A lot more of your ethereal. So if you want to give a character that lofty, ethereal, kind of maybe mysterious sense to them, give them a soft sounding name. Now, if you want an aggressive character, give them harder sounds. A lot of your G's, your K's, the more aggressive sounding letters for an aggressive character. The D's and the V's are also a good part of that collection. In my Modako anthologies, the aggressive culture had a lot more of these hard sounds in their names and language, and the civilized culture was more of the L's and N's and M's, which are very drawn-out kind of sounds. And that's your key when you are deciding if it's a hard or a soft sound, is can you hold the sound for more than one second? You can't hold a K for very long, it's K and it's over. But you can hold that M or N sound or that L sound for as long as you can hold your breath. The use of all of these letters, of the sounds, can really help you in developing different species and creating a naming system for them. And it's kind of funny that in a lot of fiction, words that end with I-R-R-E-N, so Iren, tend to be sentient insect species. Even if they're not, they tend to be hive-minded-like creatures. It's a super niche subset, but it's interesting to me that in the fantasy and sci-fi culture, we kind of have a nomenclature for it. So lean into all of that because your target audience will align with you. They'll be reading the same types of things you do because your target audience has also seen Stranger Things. Therefore, if you like it, that means it's great because that also means you wrote selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.